Hey guys, how you doing? It is your host Jason. I am back with Whatsoever is True and I've got a new series and it's called, uh, you know, The Life of Joseph, right? Big. We did a lot of marketing in that. Uh, <laughs> okay, but seriously, here's today's message, of course, is why study the life of Joseph? What's, you know, what's the big deal? What do, we, what do we get out of it? What do we learn from it? And uh, obviously, my, my first answer to all of that is going to be, we should always study the Word of the Lord because they are the divine set of principles that teach us how to live. It teaches us how to get to that, that distant shore, right, that is the kingdom of heaven, and, and how to conduct ourselves here to the glory of God because we're made for Him, and we will never be filled, we will never be happy outside of Him, outside of His will. It is exactly the thought that we can attain some type of happiness or some type of success some type of meaning on our own terms or on the world's terms, something like that, that causes all the misery in the world. So always, always the problem in the world is that we're not living according to the principles of the Lord. And, and that, that's why we should always study Scripture. But in this case, let's look at the life of Joseph. And, and I've got a bit of a, a, a preamble, if you will, uh, a preface in today's message, we're gonna we're gonna be looking at Genesis 37 verse one, and then we're actually gonna double back a little bit. But but for Genesis 37 chapter uh, th- chapter 37 verse one reads that Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojourning in in the land of Canaan. Uh, the life of Jacob has led him to a place where you know his wanderings are technically over, right? He's, he's, uh, he's getting into old age, he's getting into that last chapter, but there's a lot of stuff coming up. He's not the central player anymore. His sons are. And as we're going to see, that's, uh, the sins of the father are, are you know, visited back on him through his sons. Uh, it's, it's um, you know, we're looking at this and, and thinking, okay, this, this, this is the emphasis that the primary duty of all men and women is to trust the Lord. The, the life of Jacob really emphasizes that as if, if you've looked into it and you've, you've, you've read about his story, you know what he did about stealing his brother's birthright with Esau, and then the, the chain of events that kicked off. And of course, Jacob wrestles with the Lord, and, and you know, he has a bit of a problem of, of trusting in the Lord and not trying to hurry things along not trying to use use some manipulation to get what he wants. So since God is, you know, both sovereign and good, he's never wrong or or amiss or late. I think that's that's the, the other thing is that when we try to take blessings into our own hand instead of following him and leaning on him and just doing our duty, we end up running into problems and so the study the, the study of of Jacob's life and Joseph's life is instructive for that re- for that reason. Jacob's life was marked by God's gracious overruling of his sins, and such it is with all who learn to trust Him. We get more and more out of our 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 talents, our our virtues, and less and less out of our vices and sins because of the Lord. It's His it's His sovereign will. So our failures are defeated in Christ. Nevertheless, this doesn't eradicate the fact that our sins and our refusal to trust Him have consequences, and they certainly do. So we should pray with the psalmist to declare us innocent from hidden faults and to keep us back from presumptuous sin, right, Psalm 19. So Joseph, of course, comes into the biblical story um, and, uh, here, and he is a wonderful picture and type of Christ. For, for this reason alone, he's worthy of in-depth study. As, as Donald Gray Barnhouse points out, we can love Joseph freely without being repelled by any, any open wounds of sin. 
Uh, Joseph, of course, has the, the, the fallen nature, but uh, great sins are not recorded of him here in this account. And, and the con on the contrary, he stands nearly alone in Scripture, save Christ, as one who showed remarkable faith throughout the really horrific trials. Many speak, and rightly, of the patience of Job, but we also see immense lessons of faith and trust in Joseph. High walls that we should build, I'm sorry, that we should aspire to climb in our own lifetimes. I mean, uh, you think of, of attaining great spiritual strength. Not a lot of people think of, of, of having to go through what Joseph did to do that. But there's a huge biblical lesson in that. Because of pride and because of ingratitude, because of impatience, we have a tendency to fall into sin. We don't want to go through the valley of a shadow of death. We don't want to go through Calvary to get to the place of blessing. There's a problem. Um, the sons of Jacob, of course, you know they were a problem. That's Joseph's brothers. Joseph comes as the most beloved son. That's Genesis uh, chapter 37, verse 3. And this is significant because Jacob's firstborn, that's Reuben, as we're told rather succinctly in chapter 35, verse 22, that he disqualified himself from the firstborn's benefits by sleeping with his father's concubine. Yeah. And how about that one, right? This is, this is the 12 tribes of Israel coming. Uh, this is coming from these, from these people. And they were, in the vernacular of our day, a hot mess. So the sons of Jacob were certainly not saints. They were conniving. They were violent and untrustworthy. Joseph stands over against all of this and has a peaceful, trustworthy, and even you know, Christ-like character. For this, his father really loves him, really loves him. The events to follow are instructive because they show that righteousness and the blessings that, that follow from it uh, produces in the ungodly jealousy and wrath toward the one who trusts in God. Sin is not only a thing we do. And I've about this, I point this out all the time. Sin's an active force. It's a crouching and hunting lion seeking to devour souls whole and complete. And, of course, that's First Peter 5, 8. This pattern started immediately in history after Adam fell, and then uh, you see with Cain and Abel. And then Cain killed his brother Abel because Abel was the one he could reach with his hatred. He couldn't get his hands on God. But in all of it, uh, it was God who came, whom Cain hated. And Abel was the, was the one he could, he could hurt. So he hated God because the principles of sin lead him to the desire to be as his own God, right? Sin twists and distorts everything. And in a desire to be as God, we want fiat power. We want security and ease because the necessity to change, to risk, to adapt, to wait, marks us as created beings, not the creator. Do you, do you follow that? I mean, there, there is, there's a reason why socialism and, and uh, workplace difficulties are, are so common, and that is because we, we don't want to be touched by change and by risk and by, and by insecurity. We demand an absolutism that serves the premise of the flesh. The reality of covetousness has its roots deep in the soul, and, and that's, the, that's the key here. That's what's, what's coming between Joseph and his brothers. So in sin, we want to be as God, but not righteous. We want to be as God, but we don't, want to, we don't have to worry about the whole righteousness thing, right? And, and that leads us onto a path of pragmatism. The life of Jacob showed how he learned to accept risk and temporary frustrations because he learned to trust God. 
In Joseph's life, even though his incredible deprivations and his seeming failures, uh, even, even through those things, we discover a great example of what it means to wait and trust in the Lord, and wait on and trust the Lord. <clears throat> so the opposite of, of living righteously is living pragmatically, right? To live just right now, and the ends justify the means. So Joseph's brothers, on the other hand, of course, you know, they have to learn the hard way all, you know, throughout all of this. There's an incredible arc in character development in this whole story, as a, as a writer would say. And they prove the truth of Proverbs 29, that unless a person regards the rebuke of the wise man, um, he's only going to learn when judgment punches him in the face. Is that the great philosophy right there? Is that everybody has a, a uh, plan until they get punched in the face. And so <clears throat> that's, that's a problem. That's a significant problem for all of us. And we should be humble. That uh, Look at the fifth chapter of Amos. All right, the fifth chapter of Amos, we see that the Lord sends judgments. That is pain and failure and frustration. And, you know, he sends those things to his people in order to bring them to repentance. Isn't that amazing? The scoffer, however, the one who's unteachable, that's in Proverbs 9, especially. It's all over Proverbs, but look at Proverbs 9. Um, will not lay down their pride. They won't take correction. They refuse it, in fact. And that's Proverbs 12, uh, verse 1. They abuse those who try and instruct them. So the sons of Jacob, <clears throat> save Joseph, of course, and Benjamin later, will learn their lessons through this story, as we're going to see. Joseph stands out as a type of Christ who delivers his brothers from not just starvation right, and, and uh, famine, but from a tyranny of sin and guilt. It's an amazing story and famous, I think, for all the right reasons. It shows us how Christ will often use life's frustrations and pains as a means to correct his people and bring them to himself. C.S. Lewis, of course, said that, that pain is God's megaphone. And uh, they bring it to the obedience of faith, Romans 1.5. The great contrast between Joseph and his brothers is how even, even through his trials, he waited on and trusted the Lord, whereas they often, you know, they, they took things in their own hands. So, and that's the thing with sin. Reuben sleeping with Jacob's concubine and all the other sordid details of his family are examples of fallen men who are unwilling to follow the Lord because they don't think that righteousness is practical. Think of how insane that is for just a second. Think of the creator God. He created everything. Everything is his. And to go, well, you know, I, I, I can't. I, I don't want to be unrealistic. And I've, people think this all the time. We'll catch ourselves thinking this in the flesh. It's unrealistic to wait on the Lord. Well, I need to go do this myself. You hear that the, the badly said, the Lord helps those who help themselves. Well, the scripture does not ever say that. In fact, there's a way of looking at that line that is very, very dangerous for the Christian. The Lord helps those who follow, love, and obey him in Christ. Okay? I'm not saying that we get a works-based salvation. I'm saying is that righteousness brings blessing. Sin brings despair and chaos and conflict. Okay, wherever, wherever you see conflict, one or more parties have to be in sin. So the question has to be, well, who's the sinner? Who's sinning? What's going on? A lot of times, and this is what you see in the story, is that people want a blessing, a material blessing. They want a material thing. Usually, it, it, you'd, be, right? you'd be amazed at how small things are. If, if anyone has had a loved one die, and you can see the rapaciousness and, and the greed and envy that comes up. I, I know of a story of a family, a loved one died, and, and, and the siblings were at each other's throats over the clothes. 
The clothes won't even in style anymore, but they will fight over anything because pride gets involved. So that's the case here that we, that we, wanna, we wanna look at. Um, Ruben, of course, sleeping with Jacob's concubine and all the other things, uh, it's because sinners are trying to ameliorate the frustrations and yearnings of life while ignoring the Lord. The very thing that's causing the frustrations is the thing that sin doubles down on. So, in Joseph's case, there's, there's nothing he can do. I mean, he ends up in prison, he ends up a slave, and there's nothing he can do except wait, wait on and trust in the Lord for deliverance. It's an amazing lesson, and it's especially relevant for our time. It's especially relevant in our daily lives. Do we really trust Him? Do we see godliness with contentment? Are we content with whatever we've got, or, or are we grumbling and complaining? Uh, because that's what leads to His brothers betraying Him. So, for instance, uh, let me just give you another contemporary example here. For instance, envy of the wealthy is, is, is rampant, right, today? Uh, we may not conspire to throw our brother into a pit and sell him into slavery, but the spiritual impulse of such hatred is very much alive. The ideas of Marxism are those that would sell our neighbors into slavery. Surely, I mean, that, if you look at what happened with Stalin and Mao and Pol Pot and Castro, and you think, wow, that's, that's odd. It's not odd. That, those are the rational consequences of envy right there. That, that, that is political, the political social consequences of what we see between Joseph's older brothers and himself. That's, it's jealousy. It's envy. So Marxism is the pol political philosophy of envy, pure and simple. Impatience and the hatred of our circumstances reveal our idolatry of self-worship, to which the antidote is the gospel. It is faith in Christ alone, not only for our ultimate destination, but our every pit stop here too. Bar Donald Gray Bonehouse, again, he has said that God is sovereign and good. He orders our every step and stop. I love the way he put that, and stop. There was a lot of moments in my life I look back at where I was very frustrated. I thought, I, Frank, up to me, that I should have been blessed uh, a lot faster than the Lord did, right? But I thank the Lord, looking back, that I stayed the course, right? I mean, when you start thinking about other people and, and what they owe you and what you should have and, and so forth, the, what you end up getting is misery. And again, it'll breed conflict, right? That, that's, that's what we continue to see in all, all throughout Scripture, is what we can is we're seeing that pattern. So why study the life of Joseph? Because it's so prevalent for our time. When you hear Bernie Sanders and the Democrats right now talking about economics, what you're hearing, ladies and gentlemen, what you're hearing is a philosophy of envy. You're hearing a philosophy of of hatred of how dare they have more than me, that they can't stand it. And and there is yes, there's hatred. It's not tolerance and love. It's hatred. And, and so we want to be careful with that. We want to be very careful. Um, so, <clears throat> for, for example, in, in the book of James, he says in chapter 4, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions now think about what what comes next you adulterous people james says do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with god 
Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So, once again, let's go back to the, one of the big basics here about sin. Is that sin, sin is not something that simply you do. It's not, it's not like you trip. I was walking on the road and I, uh, and I stepped on a rake or, right, or, I, or I twisted my ankle. That's where the modern evangelical mind is very fuzzy on what sin is. Sin starts in the heart. It says, I want the blessings of God. I want, I want the blessings of God without God. I don't want to have to be righteous. I don't want to recognize myself as a terrible sinner. And so I want stuff. I want leisure, right? I want security. I want power. I don't want to have to deal with frustrations because frustrations uh, remind me that, that I'm, I'm a human, that I'm, that I'm not the, uh, the creator. I'm a creature. I'm accountable. And now, these things are meant to bring us to Christ when we're frustrated. We think we should be further ahead. We think our house should be bigger, or our car should be nicer, or our job should be better, or, or whatever we're looking at, or we're, anything we're insecure about. We could be insecure about how fat we are, how skinny we are, how, how uh, big our nose is, or how big our ears are, or anything like that. I mean, I know they can sound really silly when you're talking about it from somebody else, but we all have something. But these things are meant to lead us to Christ because he's perfection, and he made you. He made you, and he puts you exactly where you are so that you would have fellowship with him. Who knows what it is you're supposed to do, Christian? But, you, but in those are particulars. We know, that we know what you're supposed to do in the main, and that is to love him and to follow him and to be gracious. When you look at the story of, of Joseph, one thing you're going to notice that sets this whole thing off again is that, that Jacob, his father, and his brothers were not a pattern of life up until the very end of the story, the pattern of life was not to be faithful, was not to be patient, was not to seek the glory of the Lord, but to seek their own comfort. And that sets everything off. So why study it? Well, there you go. And then and next, why, why Joseph in particular? Because he doesn't do anything. He doesn't mount a revolution. He doesn't, mount a, a, he doesn't break out of slavery with, with the force of his own military uh, masterpiece or anything like that. He does it because the Lord super orchestrates everything going on. It's an amazing, amazing lesson we need to learn to trust the Lord in everything that we do, that righteousness is power. True righteousness, living quietly, righteousness in faith, not grumbling and complaining, not trying to become a, a, a manipulator or, or a, in the case I'd say it, go right out, a Marxist and trying to get even with life, to get our thing. Gotta get, everybody's got to get theirs. Dog eat dog. Well, now, Joseph, Joseph gains everything because he follows the Lord. And he just waits on the Lord. So, here we go. I'll, I'll wrap that up right there. And that's the intro to it. We're going to get into the, into the nuts and bolts and, and really break the story down and unpack it. And I think you're going to be amazingly blessed. And I can't wait to get into it. So, check back. We should have one of these out every, every week. That's been the plan. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.